my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I'm super excited today to be joined um, by Kim Albano, who is a 2004 graduate of our program. Hi, Kim. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you taking the time today out of your busy schedule. Kim is currently uh, the Chief Executive Officer of Spacelift Design House. So we're going to uh, we're going to eventually talk all about uh, all about that venture. Um, she has uh, has uh, recently gone down this path um, in terms of being an entrepreneur and um, and running her own business. And I'm um, super excited. I, I have to tell you from the jump, Kim, that. Um, I love that name. That name just draws you in, you know, and, uh, uh and I'm not Thank even, the, I'm not even a sci-fi guy. And that just, that drive that, that I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, I've well, got to figure out either. what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So super good job with the name for Thank sure. <laughs> so yeah, let's go, let's go back in time a little bit and get, um, and, and let our, and let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Like where, where did you grow up and, and what were you like growing up? So actually funny story. I'm originally a Jersey girl. So I am an oh. East coast girl, um, oh. at heart and originally, um, but where? Where I was, in Jersey? um, so my family's from the new Providence area. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, a little ways outside of Manhattan, Oh, okay. Um, now I was going to say, I'm not familiar with that. I'm from the, uh, I, my, um, stepmother's side of the family is from the, uh, Philly area. So I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with the Philly area, uh, oh, okay. close to that, that side of okay. New Jersey, but I'm not familiar at all with the New York yeah. side, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So close to Manhattan, which is really exciting, such an uh -huh. awesome city, especially in, you know, industry management, but not to right. get ahead of myself here. But right. um, when I was in fourth grade, I ended up moving to the West Coast and then grew up the rest of my life in California, right. um, which is really, of course, how I ended up eventually um, down in slow. Right. Um, but, you know, as a child, I always, um, I grew up in California as an only child, even though I have siblings. Oh. Um, so I was always, you know, having to create my own, you know, um, I guess playtime, I would call it. And that's such like uh -huh. a mom word to you. <laughs> I'm a mom now. So of course. But you know, I, 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 it was me and my imagination. And one of the things I always remember doing actually twofold, and it's so interesting now to think back, there's a lot of things that have come full circle that I do want to share in our time here together. Right. But one of them is that I always liked, um, playing teacher. I always pretended I was teaching always. Um, and the other thing I was always doing is I was constantly changing the space around me, like my bedroom. So whether I was rearranging just the furniture or I was painting for the hundredth time, you know, one week I spent an entire, you know, seven days stenciling my room all by myself and then oh. redecorating. So I was always looking to create, but I was also always looking to teach. Um, and I just always was very good at self, self-entertainment. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. That's such a yeah. skill that an only child has to have, or, or yeah. someone who's, who's growing up as an, right. as an only child, like you said, um, right. that that's really fascinating. Um, so, uh, 
in addition to, to art and, and, um, and, and those sorts of things, were you into any other things like drama, art, sports, or anything like that? Or yeah, so I loved, loved art and um, specifically loved photography. I went on in high school to take three years of photography, mm. um, learned to use a good old fashioned single lens reflex camera before they were fancy and you, you know, it did everything for you, learned the art of developing and, and all of that. So I always really loved being able to capture a moment, mm. um, but also creating art at the same time, if you will. Of course. Um, I was a big lover of softball and a big lover of volleyball, even though um, I am for, for the audience, only five foot and a half. So as you can imagine, <laughs> I was the setter. Uh, right. I got you. I was going to say, I was going to joke and say, so you, I was going to joke and say, so you were spiking, you were on the, uh, you were on the uh, edge there. <laughs> no. no, not winning any scholarships in volleyball or anything, but you know, so I did, I loved my sports, but I, also loved my art. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's interesting because I always felt like I was surrounded by people that were a lot better at the arts because mm -hmm. at the time, and I try to tell my kids this now, what they teach in school, you know, in elementary and junior high and high school, it's fairly compartmentalized, right? The painting, the drawing, right. the ceramics, right? So either you're really good at that or, or you're not, it wasn't until later um, honestly, until I was at Cal Poly that I really learned that there's so much more to being creative mm -hmm. and what you can do with it. Um, but there was always a desire there. I just really did not know how I would apply it later in life. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well, a, a good segue. Let, let's talk about Cal Poly. Like, uh, how did you, what was the path like uh, to Cal Poly? How did you hear about our major? That sort of thing. So my path was, is is that um, it had just starting, it had just started to get very competitive to get in around the time that I was entering. And my husband now, who was my boyfriend at the time, had always really wanted to go there. And I just thought, gosh, it's, it's down the central coast. It's by the beach. When I'm old enough, it's by the wine country. <laughs> it has a little bit of everything. And I, it took one visit and I was just, that was it. And I was like, I have to figure out a way, you know, to, to go to that school. Right. Um, as far as, you know, finding my way into the department, I was very drawn to it because I always had this passion for the event side right. of things. Okay. Okay. So whether it was pulling together a party or somebody was planning a wedding, I was always extremely interested because I think for me, what happened is, is my love for being creative intersected with this concept of being able to create these experiences yeah. that allowed me to be creative where it wasn't through a painting or a drawing, right? It was through an experience. Right. And so when I read more about the, about the department and what my options were, I was like, gosh, this is, you know, this is the one for me. I mean, right away, I knew that event management was going to be my, you know, my concentration and um, just kind of dove head first, never, you know, never looked back after that. <laughs> right. I love it. You know, I think we have this, uh, I, I've talked to so many people that, that I've heard this, a similar thread. I think we have this uh, built in advantage because, uh, you know, growing up and whether it's middle school or high school or whatever, you know, there's dances to plan and there's, there's right. the prom to plan. There's all these events that, yeah. um, that, that kids get involved with planning and some of them catch the bug and really love it. And so when they hear about their major, they're like, Oh, I can, 
you mean I could do that for a living? Yeah, That's awesome. I know. I know. Yeah. It's not something that you really learn about. And actually now right. you're, you're bringing back more memories for me. In high school, I was part of leadership and I planned yeah. all of the events at school. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I loved it. And I was yep. like, gosh, how do you make a career out of this? You know, right. Nobody really talked about that then. Right, right. So. And, I, and I'm glad you, you, um, you pushed it further because that's exactly right, that a lot of times it is the kids that are in leadership. And we get, I talk to so many alumni yeah. who are like, yeah, well, I was in lead, student leadership and we planned yeah. this or we planned that. And I just really loved it. And I'm like, yeah. so it's, it's really great for us because, um, you know, one of the things that, that Cal Poly has always um, hung its hat on um, obviously learn by doing, of course, but, but yeah. the students, the students, yeah. first and foremost, you know, obviously we have a great mantra and, and that learn by doing philosophy is huge, but you guys, the students are, are the ones who make that work. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so great to hear. So, so now you're, you're here in San Luis Obispo, you got the beach, you got the, you know, yeah. you got the wine country <laughs> and all that. Tell me about yeah. your experiences. They're like, um, I know this is hard that they, back on uh four years or however long it was and to think if, if there was this one moment that really sticks out but um is there is there something that that really uh that you can you look back and you go wow that was the best you know there there are so many and yeah. my my answer is probably not going to be very conventional maybe compared to others that you interview but there is something that has stuck out in my mind from the moment I've graduated and gone into the corporate world, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about. But, yeah. you know, when I went into this uh, major, I, I was surrounded by friends who were going into, you know, finance, economics, business, doing, you know, what I guess you would call more of like um, the traditional path. Right. And I remember having one friend who saying to me, like, what are you ever going to do with that major? Right. And, and at the time this friend was in business. Um, and I just remember thinking, gosh, like I could think of a, a many th different things that I, hundreds of different things. Right. And I'm going out in a class and riding in a kayak, learning about someone who owns a tourism business and they're stuck in a calculus class. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking like, don't worry about me. I'll figure it out. And yeah. you know, what's yeah. so funny is um, five, six years post, you know, graduation, she ended up going into the, um, travel industry. She ended up working at a hotel, right? <laughs> you know, and I, and I think, I think that, um, that's almost like the unfortunate part, at least when I was there is that people didn't give it the credit that it deserves the experiences right. that we get to have right. the, um, the lessons I, I always told people, straight out of college into my first, you know, corporate job. I'm like, I, I felt beyond prepared for what I was doing. Right. And yes, I was in, you know, the, the uh, parks administration, recreation, all that. but guess what? I went right into the finance world in the corporate I world know. and I, I still know. felt extremely, you know? Right. So, I mean, right. I, I'm so glad that I learned about the shift with experience management and everything, because mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it really is more all encompassing, encompassing yeah. of, what your students are learning now. And I think it's fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate that. And Kim, you, you, you really ultimately touched on some of the things that, um, that we struggled with. And, and that was that lack of respect, you know, ultimately with when someone leads with parks and rec, you know, 
they people get this mental image of um, of a park ranger. And, and while we love park rangers and park rangers are awesome, um, and that is a wonderful profession, and about one percent of our students go into park ranger, that's a difficult oh, that's thing funny. to get people back from, you know, <laughs> yeah. to reel them back in. And and so yeah, like you said, this experience industry management approach that we're utilizing really focuses on those experiences. And when people hear that, they go, oh, wow, okay. And they start to think, wow, that could be applied to basically to just about anything. And I think that, you know, I think for for most of the arc of our department and our major, I think we've been preparing students with those transferable skills. And that's one of the things I want to talk with you about. You know, you had, um, you had what, almost a a t- almost a 20 year stretch or 15 year stretch of working yeah. in, in corporate finance. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. you, you, so, so I do want to talk to you about that um, transferability. I, I would like to talk really quick though, about that, um, that transition. Like what did you do for your internship okay. that, that ended up leading you into Merrill Lynch or, or did you not do anything that you, it was just, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it, you know, I, I do think a lot of it, uh, led, um, to my, you know, first job, which ended up being my most recent, uh, employer before, you know, starting my own business, not that long ago, but, um, my internship was, I was at a restaurant and private event center. And so I helped, you know, with everything from, um, you know, uh, the private event side, uh, corporate event side, um, that kind of thing. And, and look, it's a, it is a hard industry. You are working nonstop. Um, you learn a lot about people, the people you work with, the people you're serving. Right. Um, so it was a, it was a good experience. It was, a, I would say a smaller experience compared to, I'm sure what a lot of my other fellow classmates had had. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that was my internship. Right. Um, and it was a rest restaurant that was growing and wanted to kind of evolve into more. So it was kind of, it was very interesting to be a part of it while they were learning because I was also very exposed to, you know, the business side of it because, you know, people are very well aware having a restaurant is one of the hardest businesses to have and have successfully for a long time. And so, you know, I learned a lot about that part of it, you know, as well. So it was, it was good. It was eye opening for sure. I'm sure. So, so tell us how you landed at Merrill Lynch then after that. So, uh, you know, obviously you, you did a lot at Merrill Lynch and I I think for me, I think what's, what's fascinating is that, that you started in the learning and development, um, Mm -hmm. sector, which Mm -hmm. which does when, when we think about, especially what we're doing now with experience industry management, Mm -hmm. it it has actually has a lot of relevance and actually a lot of our students are going into employee experiences. Um, but you know, back when you, you graduated in 2004 that wasn't necessarily as as um as uh as great a, a career path or or as a frequent a per- career path so right. i'm curious i'm curious first of all how you kind of got your yeah. foot in the door there at merrill lynch yeah so um interesting i decided after i graduated that i was going to move back east again because the majority of my family was still here and i figured you know now's the time before i get myself into a job to, to make the move. So I, you know, moved back East and that's where Merrill Lynch is, you know, what we call home office is located is, is in New Jersey. Right. And 
I was searching and searching for jobs and I wanted something in the event realm. I loved event marketing, event management, creating those experiences. And lo and behold, they had posted this job. It was actually through a job site. I didn't even know it was a Merrill until I started talking to the recruiter. And by the way, I had no idea really what Merrill Lynch did at the time. I knew that that had Right. Something to do with money. That's right. all I knew. Right. And I knew it was a big or I knew it was a big organization. That was about it. Right. But they needed somebody to be the the what they called program coordinator for all of the learning events mm-hmm. um, for wealth management, which is, you know, uh, was really the the crux of what they did at the time. Right. And I thought, okay, this sounds great. I went on three interviews, waited to hear back. Lo and behold, I got, I get this job and I start working for Merrill Lynch and talk about fish out of water. Um, I, you know, but, but here's the beauty in it. A couple of things. I got so much experience because I was facing off directly with the hotels that we use for these learning events. Uh So not only was I learning the event management piece in the corporate side, but I was also getting a lot more experience in the hotel, in the hotel side, the banquet side, right, right. which you don't always get to, you know, it's not always twofold for everybody. Right. The other thing was, is I was getting exposed to so much of what Merrill Lynch at the time and what the industry was about, because the more learning events I planned, the more I wanted to sit in and listen to them. And I would start spending time with what at the time they were called program managers. So they were the ones that were in charge of designing these learning experiences and just learning from them. And, and, you know, one of my full circle moments was realizing like, Oh my gosh, like I want to be, I want to create learning experiences for people, which I always wanted to be a teacher, but as I got older, I never really saw myself being, you know, in the elementary school or junior high or anything. And I just thought, well, maybe it's just not for me. And then here I am, you know, in front of financial professionals. And I just, I, I grew a huge passion for what it meant to identify learning needs and then find the solutions and, and, and create those experiences. Right. So you fed your teaching bug there. I did. Yeah. That's awesome. That is (laughs) awesome. Well, well, you know, the other thing, uh, Kim, that, that I think is really fascinating when I look at it is that you did that for, um, what about, uh, seven or uh, almost 10 years. And then, um, and then you transitioned, um, a little bit into the actual financial side, right? I did. So I went from the learning and development side, which in the corporate world, at least in, in, you know, my instance was in the human resources umbrella, which by the way, I still remember learning a lot about, you know, the HR pieces that were really helpful when I was, you know, going to Cal Poly still. And, um, you know, I, my client was the wealth management side of Merrill Mm -hmm. Lynch. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, there was, there was always this role that I was very passionate about and wanted to pursue. And it was Mm -hmm. about, it was for representing an audience of about 6,500 associates who were always sort of bypassed when it came to learning opportunities, growth Mm -hmm. and development opportunities. And I grew a huge passion for them through supporting their learning experiences. And then, you know, a few years ago, somebody that I've worked with for a very long time reached out and said, Hey, you know, we have this national strategy manager role available where you would be, you know, uh, running strategy for all 6,500 of these associates. We want to redefine their roles, redefine what they're learning, redefine what their employee experience looks like. And I was a thousand percent in, and that was, you know, my latest role. And it was, it was an amazing ride. It was, you know, it was a great experience all around. 
So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it. So, so let's, uh, let, let's, uh, get to the, get to the, the fun, the really fun stuff, right? <laughs> starting, starting your own business and, and yeah. um, you know, going from, uh, you know, 15 years in, in the corporate finance world um, to stepping out on your own and building your own company, obviously uh, with uh, three kids in tow. Um, I'm sure that was a, I'm sure that was a, yeah. a, a really, um, uh, interesting journey, I would say. And so I, I wonder yeah. if you could kind of yeah. take us on that ride with you, like what it was like to make that decision, um, to, to start, um, Spacelift Design House and, mm-hmm. and, um, how you got to that point and, and how it's going. How's that? Yeah. So, you know, look, I was in that role for, um, over a, a little over three years. And for those that are listening that maybe haven't gone into the corporate world yet, um, one thing you'll learn very fast is that, um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, however, you know, in order to kind of make your next move, you have to be willing to adjust and, and take on new opportunities. And after that many years in that place, I really had felt like I had set out everything I had wanted to do in that role. That role was a passion of mine. I got to travel all over the country. I got to actually going back to classes I took at Cal Poly. I ended up public speaking numerous times a month in front of hundreds of people, sometimes thousands. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Uh, And I missed that part of it. But there came a point where I kind of just said, what's going to continue to make me happy and fulfill me? And um, I wanted to continue to stretch my my craving for the creativity route. Mm -hmm. And for me in particular, there was only so far I could go with that based on the world, based on the world I was working in. I mean, I I didn't go into the hospitality field. I went into the financial field and I definitely pushed my barriers. I had a reputation for coming up with, my friends would joke at work that they were going to get me a t-shirt that said, I have an idea. Cause I always said, I have an idea. (laughs) And they'd be like, Oh God, here she goes again. Because I always was wanting to push the limits. Right. But you know, you can only, you know, sometimes you can only go so far. And right. uh, during COVID, I had just decided that for fun, quote unquote, I would pursue design school online just to kind of cure, like I said, that craving. And as I started to tell people that I was doing it, um, they're like, hey, maybe you could help me decide on this for my space, decide on that. And before you knew it, it was just, um, it was to the point where it was clear that if I made the full transition away from corporate America, that I would have enough to keep me busy um, while still being able to kind of take a step back and spend more time with my kids. Um, you know, my job, like I said, the career I had, I absolutely loved it. It was very demanding. I was gone a lot. I was on the road a lot um, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I just got to the point in my life where I had to decide, you know, what's more important. And it took me longer than some, some take longer than others to realize that for me, this was just, was just that time. And so, um, I just, I, I made the leap and there are still some days where I wake up and I'm like, what the heck (laughs) was I thinking? And not because, not because I regret it, but because you, you know, you do something for so long, it's so different to, to make that change. Right. Right. Well, um, I I can say that, that, well, we know that you love your kids because if you're if you're stuck in the in the house with three kids during the pandemic, and you decide to transition your career to spend more time with them, that must mean that must mean there's some spe- there's special 
special three oh, kids. Yeah. So that's awesome. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, so <laughs> tell us, um, tell us more about what you're doing with Spaceless uh, Space Left Design House. Um, mm-hmm. What it entails, you know, how you're. Um, I, I, I've, um, I've explored your website, and I think it's just fabulous. And I love, uh, I love your designs. And, you. um, and, uh, but, you. but uh, tell the listeners a, a little bit more about what you do, the services you offer, how you're, um, how you're in, yeah. engaging with yeah. your clients in terms of experiences, right, with design. I think that's a really important element. So, it is so big. And I think you hit the nail right on the head is it's not just about the end look for me. It's about the experience that mm-hmm. I'm able to create for clients and the experience, you know, so I'll start by answering your questions and then I'll, I'll come back to that. But, yeah. you know, I do everything from in-person. Sometimes people just want to refresh a room, right? So it's, what do I do with this room? Everything from paint colors to new furniture, uh-huh. um, anything in, and everything and anything you can think of to change space. Um, I do also work alongside a lot of renovation clients. So clients who are saying, I'm getting ready to rip out my kitchen. Uh I have no idea what materials I want, what look I'm going for. So I will help them. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, let's pull these ideas. Let's talk through them together and decide what would work, what wouldn't work. And then the other one that I'm having so much fun with is I'm doing virtual design. Yeah. So, you know, you you could call me up tomorrow and say, hey, we're, we're looking to, you know, redesign our home office. And we do a FaceTime call. I get measurements on your, you know, on your office. You fill out a questionnaire and we work together virtually right. um, where you get design boards on options. Um, and the reason for that is because I feel like if, if COVID taught us nothing, it's that we can do what we love no matter where we are there. If there's a will, there's a way. Right. Right, right. And I mean, and to your point, if my kids can be going to school at home while my husband and I are working full time and we all survived, we can do anything. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) We can do anything. Everyone's here to talk about it still. So that's a good time. I love that. And I love that virtual offering. I think that's so great, you know, because when I, when I first pulled up, um, I was like thinking to myself, uh, we, um, I'm not going to call you up tomorrow, but I will, co- <laughs> okay. but I will commit that when we're ready, which we're going to be ready. Cause I hate my house or I hate certain rooms in my house okay. that I really want redesigned, okay. but we're not ready yet. But, um, Cause you know, we've got a 10, uh, uh, 11 and a 13 year old. So I feel yeah. like anything that I do right now, they would just screw up. Yep. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yep. But, uh, yeah. but, but, but I'm definitely going to call you when I'm, when I'm ready for the redesign of these spaces. But I just think that's such that's a great, too. and it's just like you said, it's one of those things that probably without the pandemic, you, you might, you might not have gone down that virtual route, Probably not. I, right. But, um, yeah. but I love it. I think it's fabulous. Probably not. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that, um, I was going to say earlier is that I'm always asking my clients, what's the feel that you want when you go into your space and what do you want other people to feel when they come into the space? And when we right. talk about the feelings, we're really, we're talking about the experience. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I'm still wanting to bring into more is working with people who are in that hospitality realm, who have Mm -hmm. a small business or they're working in the hotel industry Mm -hmm. and work to help deliver that experience through design Mm -hmm. because it all, it all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Um, And event design, event design. I mean, gosh, I miss 
a good event, don't we all? I mean, right, I think right. even I think even all our introverts out there would love to go to some kind of event right now. But right, well, you yeah, know, you know, I out there to do. So yeah, you know, yeah. I just think about our auction and dinner, which I'm sure you were probably you probably were. I was on the there. committee for yes, planning. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. And I have said uh, every single year, Kim, I have said, "Wow, you guys somehow topped last year." Yeah. It's, and and it's because of that feel, you know, of course, with with um, uh, with Ken, with with Kendi Root, of course, when you were here and then and then we yes. had uh, and then we had Jen Prentice and now we have Amber Carson, who's helping lead yeah. the students. Um, but ultimately, what the, the students come up with there, that's it's always a whole new set of students. Right. With with some that are are returning and are able sure. to build upon their skills, yeah. but they they craft through the design of that, uh, of, of the look and the feel, it's a yeah. different experience every I time. Know. And it's something it's that feels, yeah, that feels so good. And I think you're so, I think you're really onto something with um, what, what you're talking about with hospitality. You know, yeah. we have a local coffee shop um, here called um, Scout Coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really confident that design plays a huge element of why people are drawn to Scout Coffee. Yeah. Because yeah. she has she has really um, has really focused in the two um, in the two coffee shops, one downtown and then one the Foothill Plaza. When you walk in, mm-hmm. it's this experience of oh wow, this looks cool in here. I want to be in yeah. here. You know, I want to be here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of thought, right? Those details. There's so much thought into what you want people mm-hmm. to feel and experience when they're walking into your space or your event. Or your event, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love to hear that. I love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Yep. And you just think about something like the Bellagio, right? And they're, oh, oh um, God, you know, they're, know. they're, you know, yeah. obviously, no, uh, not many people can have like 75 botanists on staff. Right. 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 <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And the blown glass hanging from the ceilings and all right, that. But it, right, but it, right. it, it takes your breath away. And if, even if it you've does. gone there more than once, it's yep. still just as much of an experience the next time you go. Exactly. It changes yeah. every season. Yeah. So that that's really awesome. So yeah. I, I'd love to, as an entrepreneur and a, as an entrepreneur that's like in the midst of like experiencing <laughs> yeah. it, like what yeah. advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? You know, my first piece of advice is always be willing to take a, take a chance, take a risk. It's scary. Um, and it's intimidating but I can tell you and not to get corny, but there's that saying on the other side of, you know, fear is uh, success or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. enter whatever word you want in there. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like once you are willing to take that leap and open yourself up and tell people what you're doing. I mean, I will say I just recently put on my LinkedIn what I'm now doing right. and yeah. And, and that led us to connecting again. And, yeah, you know, yeah, Bill yeah. and I, you know, we've always kept in touch on social media and Kendi and I and everything, but I've, I've never, I've never been good at telling people what I'm doing or what I want to be doing. And right. so my piece of advice would be, if you're very passionate about something, go out there and tell people about it because mm-hmm. they don't know what they don't know. That's and right. you could have a line of people waiting to take what you have to offer. Right. But they don't know that you're offering that if you don't tell them that. So I would say that's the biggest thing is be open to taking risks. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, And I don't even call them mistakes anymore. I call them lessons. Learning. Yeah, And I feel like I can say that because as you told everybody in the beginning, I graduated in 2004. So you all can do the math. I'm 
not as young as I used to be. So there's been plenty of opportunities for lessons, quote unquote, but you know, I don't, I try not to let those get to me anymore. It's more like, okay, well, what would I do differently next time? And I move on. Right. Um, and I would just tell people get, get yourself a, you know, a mentor and informal even. And, and if, if there's someone out here listening who wants to connect and just to ha- to bounce ideas off of, I am an open book. I would love to help others, especially I would give anything to come back and do Cal Poly all over again. Yeah. So I'll live vicariously through them and they there can be the benefits of some of my lessons. <laughs> there you go. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, um, and I, I thank you for, for stating that, you know, I've told students who've, who've reached out to me like, well, how should I go about contacting um, your your podcast guests? And I go the same way. I, I recommend you doing the same way I did through LinkedIn, right? It's a it's a professional yeah. career yes. network ultimately, and and so um, it is. And so I, I appreciate yeah. that openness and um, and and just really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, like I said at the beginning, I'm so impressed by uh, Spacelift Design House. Oh, um, what an incredible what an incredible name and concept thank and and, um, <laughs> and like I said, you know, you, you, you said a couple of minutes ago, you never know um, who might be out there who could be a, a, a client or, or a supporter right. or whatever, but you've got a, you got a client now, you know, so uh, um, yeah, you've, got, thank you. you've, got, you've got one here. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to promise you that I, um, I have been thinking for years, every time I walk into my downstairs bathroom, I'm like, I've got to redesign this space, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm yeah. definitely going to call you up for a virtual, uh, for a virtual redesign when the time comes, but, um, I love it. Can't thank wait. you so much, Kim, for taking the time today. And, um, thank and, you. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. See ya. Bye-bye.